0: Trusted Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. This pod and video series is designed specifically for point-of-sale resellers and software developers, and our goal is to educate you on the topics of technology, leadership, management, sales, marketing, and other small business best practices. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking about what retailers and restaurants will look like after the COVID-19 crisis with two special guests. Dave Kassanetz is the Vice President of Sales at RSPA Reseller Member Advanced Hospitality Systems in Voorhees, New Jersey, which is just outside of Philadelphia. Dave has been a member of the AHS team for nearly 25 years. He's regarded as an expert on restaurant technologies and also an expert on the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, Dave, great to talk with you today.
1: Hey, Jim. How are you doing?
0: Wonderful. Great to, great to have you here. And our second special guest is Vaughn Ferguson, the founder of VEND, Vend is a channel-focused developer of retail point-of-sale, inventory, customer management, and reporting software. Vaughn is a veteran of several startups, and it was 2010 when he founded, coded, and then launched Vend. He's also known for a popular TED talk he delivered in May 2016 titled, Finding Your Inner Weirdo. Hey, welcome, Vaughn, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm great, and hello from New Zealand.
0: Yes, and you're in New Zealand, where it's Thursday. And Dave is in Philadelphia, and I'm on the other side of the state in Erie, Pennsylvania, where it's Wednesday. So, Vaughn, thanks for joining us in the future. We really appreciate it.
2: <laughs> no worries. <laughs>
0: All right. So let's rock and roll. And before we dive into the specifics of what we think restaurants and retailers are going to look like in the new normal, let's talk about what they're going through today. And so, Dave, first, if you can share what's been what's the business status and what's the state of mind of the merchants you've engaged with, uh, particularly your tours? Uh, what's your state of mind? OK,
1: I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, the, the status of the business right now is we're, you know, we're very busy we were very fortunate that we already carry, you know, hardware and software solutions that were applicable to sell to customers, you know, um, during the time we're, um, you know, going through like online ordering, um, takeout, delivery, contactless, um, payment solutions. Um, our sales teams very consultable, they all come from the hospitality industry. So we've been um, able to really, um, guide our customers through, you know, a lot of this, you know, the 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 state of mind of our customers is a little different, you know, depends on uh, what type of restaurant we're talking about, you know, restaurants that um, say casual concept operations like sandwich shops, coffee, pizza, some taverns, Um, they've been doing takeout for years, and it's been much easier for them with just you know, I don't wanna say minor adjustments, but but adjustments to the business that they've been able to, to handle. Um, it, so they've been able to take the change much easier than fine dining restaurants. Uh, you know, we have a lot of fine dining customers that use our products and um, they've had a much harder time because the menus aren't really conducive to um, take out. There are not you know, cashier terminals to pay for orders, online ordering's not set up. Uh, the food isn't really designed to be carried out. So it's, it's, it's been a little harder, um, uh, especially if you're in a, like center city, Philadelphia with a high rent and only able to do takeout. Um, you know, so that's, that's been a challenge.
0: Got it. And so I understand those other restaurants just shift all their business or as much as they can to the takeout. What are those fine dining restaurants? What have they done? Have they given it a shot to do uh, uh, online ordering or curbside pickup? Or do they just say, hey, we're going to wait until, you know, the governor says we're able to open up?
1: Well, it's, it's been both, you know, um, we've had some that have modified their menus, uh, to, you know, come up with creative ways to do takeout. But, you know, many realize that, uh, you know, um, a small amount of takeout, you know, like if you're like if a family's ordering takeout now, they're not typically doing high-end dining, you know, they're calling their pizza restaurant, you know, for takeout. So the amount of volume that they're getting, um, versus the other you know, types of restaurants. in the industry has been a little harder, but, but some have done well.
0: Got it. Thank you. And so, Vaughn, same question for you, uh, but again, focusing on the retail market. What's the status of the state of mind of uh, a lot of Venn's merchants?
2: Yeah, so we've, we've got merchants from all around the globe. Um, so we've got um, something like 30,000 stores um, using our platform. Um, so I'm going to give you two stories because I think there's a bit of, bit of hope in here as well. Um, I think it's it's fair to say it, it, it hit every retailer really hard um, and very similar to it sounds like what's hap- happened in the hospitality industry is like the retailers who adapted to new new ways of engaging with their customers using online are the ones that I wouldn't say flourished, but you know, they're the ones who who are getting through this. You know, um, it's not like they've, they've flipped their business and found a whole new business model that they're going to run with. Um, I think everybody's just in the mode of just doing whatever they can so that they can pay the bills and keep staff on and things like that. Um, But, you know, I think it's really exciting um, because it's kind of forced uh, uh, the adoption to um, digital technology. So we've been a cloud platform for 10 years. So we've been selling the virtue of of the cloud for, for a decade now. Um and it's, and this event has kind of forced a lot of retailers to make the move, like to make the move to an online platform um, or a platform that connects to to other online tools because the retailers who have adapted have done curbside pickup, you know click and collect. Um, but they've also engaged with their customers through digital marketing, just letting they letting people know what's what's been going on like are, you know are they taking orders? are they closed? Um, which is really uh, which is really important. To let their customers know what's what's going on. Now I'll tell you the the, the little bit of hope because yeah, know I'm, I'm we've got offices all around the world, but um, due to the lock, and I've been here, based here in New Zealand, I'm actually in, in Raglan, and I'm going to create all these uh, perpetuate all these stereotypes about New Zealand that we all live by the beach, and and, <laughs> and um, uh, I just choose to be here. Um, but in New Zealand we we went through pretty severe lockdown and as of I guess two weeks ago we've come out of lockdown and and retail has kind of gone back to normal um sure a little bit different yeah there's a there's a few more um flexi-flex screens and retail stores when you go to the the supermarket um but otherwise things have gone back to normal so that's that's a little bit of hope I just want to give to your listeners and your viewers is that we're going to get through this um in some markets it might take a little bit longer um but stuff will go back to normal.
0: You're saying there is another side who knows when that's going to be but at some point you know like keep saying we'll we'll get all we'll all get through this together there is a a, a this on the other side.
2: Yeah and that's not to make, make any make light of how tough it's going to be to get through and, yeah. and you know state by state um city by city even it, it's going to be different um but if if we just hold tight we'll get through this.
0: Got it. Thank you for that. And so, Dave, let's look ahead. And so you and I had a conversation, I believe it was in early April, like in the midst of the pandemic. And you told me, after this, we'll be working in a different industry. So can you expand upon that? How do you see restaurants changing both for the short term and then also for the long term?
1: Well, it's, you know, what I knew in April is different than what I knew in May and now June, because this is, you know, really, you know, ever, ever changing you know but it is you know refreshing to hear Vaughn to see a light at the end of the tunnel you know because you know on the east coast you know where i am in the middle of new york pennsylvania new jersey connecticut where we were really in the epicenter of this um you know we're you know finally you know kind of getting a little back to normal you know yesterday uh, the governor finally lifted the stay at home order so we've all been in our homes since March, you know. Uh, so that's, you know, you know, that's been, you know, difficult as well. Restaurants um, starting, uh, I think, June fifteenth will be allowed to do outdoor dining. So you still can't go into a restaurant. So we're still far behind uh, parts of the country. But, but you know, it's things are very different, and the industry is different. Um, you know, uh, we're seeing big changes. You know. Restaurants are now looking at their menus and they're trimming down the menus and they're only selling what's popular, what's profitable. Um, Family-style takeout meals are being offered. Um, you know, a popular chain restaurant near me has a, a family of five meal for $50. I mean, you know, if I would have taken my family there, it would have been $150 You know, to eat the same thing. So, you know, they're getting uh, creative. Um also, customers are trying to find new revenue streams. And, and these are things that I think you may see as things get back to normal, like selling grocery items in the restaurant. Um, I've, I've got one customer um, sells meal prep kits with instructions how to cook it um, at home. Uh, another one who's selling raw pasta um, and sauces, um, things that you know they weren't doing before. Um, and in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, really interesting. They just recently, a month ago, passed laws to allow um, the sale of um, alcohol um, for takeout. And I don't mean like a six-pack of beer. I could order a Grey Goose martini, you know, and have it and take it home with me if I want to, or have alcohol delivered. So that's, so from a business standpoint, it's opened up. Online ordering opportunities, programming opportunities, um, ID scanning um, products that we carry. So, you know, so we've, we've been able to adapt um, to this. But I think you're going to see a lot of these creative ideas that are working today. Um, I think they're going to keep in the business, you know, when things return to normal, the new normal.
0: And do you think, so you're talking about, the you know, the new revenue streams to a degree. So you think restaurants, some of them will be able to, you know, have some, a grocery section that's unique to them. It's not like they're going to be selling candy bars and potato chips, you know, when they, if they didn't before, right? So they'll have the grocery aspect. They'll do more of the online. So they'll do it through that avenue. Do you also see like they need to do that because do you see that tables are going to be reduced, right? They're going to have the same square footage, but there's going to be more space in between. Do you think social distancing is going to become more of the norm in restaurants in uh, North America for not just 2020, but maybe
1: even beyond that? Well, I I think once, you know, there's a vaccine and, you know, things get back to normal, we'll be able to, you know, fill a restaurant. But, you know, uh, restaurants that have um, decks, patios, parking lots you know things like that they're able to take those tables outside and still you know seat people but uh it's still a challenge and you know I'm, we're kind of curious how, how it's going to look
0: yeah i talked to a reseller in the midwest and they had just allowed you know the the state had said you could start eating outside and so they started putting up tents in their parking lot right and just expanded and pushed everybody out into there i mean where you and I live in Pennsylvania, that might be hard to do in January, uh, but it seems like they're going to have to, you know, adapt in those terms, but especially online ordering. um, Do you see the amount from a consumer standpoint? Do you think they'll continue to keep uh, ordering online because now they have that new habit and they're like, hey, this isn't too bad. I can keep my sweatpants on. I don't have to actually get dressed up to go out to the restaurant and get the food that I want. Do you see that continuing through 2020 and beyond?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, it was always part of our business, you know, we've had online ordering, you know, uh, capability for, for quite a while, but it was really, you know, the uh, casual or quick service restaurants that did it. But I think people now think, hey, you know, this could happen again. And I have to have the ability to allow a customer to quickly place an order and not have to wait online. Um you know, or or be on hold, you know, get busy signals, Um, someone get the order wrong, and it allows, you know, customers to order on their own term. So I I think it will be part of every system moving forward.
0: Got it. Thank you. Now, Vaughn, let's talk about the innovations that emerged in retail during the pandemic and you think will become a permanent part of retail. What are some of the innovations you saw uh, from your merchants and also just in general from retail space around the world?
2: Um, so there's two sides to the innovations that we've seen. So there's the um, how to engage with your customers, and so the biggest innovation there is curbside pickup and click and collect, or you know whatever label you want to give it. So being able to still, um, so it's e-commerce, right? Um, but e-commerce with that physical element. It's leveraging the asset that you've got, which is your 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 store. Um, and um, so we've seen a lot of retailers uh, uh, adopt that. And they haven't overthought it, like they're really they're really just trying to solve problems, like how am I going to keep selling to my customers you know how how would i allow them to safely get 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 products um and so it's kind of like retailers are naturally entrepreneurs, and so this is a time where they flourish because they're they're having to the, the you know they're the, 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 the trying to solve problems um like you know how can they but how can they see customers in a restaurant you know let's take over the car park. And so it's actually kind of it's a little bit fun and interesting as well, because like they're coming up with innovative solutions, and, and a lot of these things don't actually require technology. It's just a little bit of nous um, and some people power, some people glue just kind of making it, making it all work. and we're we're all in this thing together, so their customers are kind of enjoying it as well because you know they appreciate the effort that's being made, um, and they also want to support their local retailers any way they can. Um, But in the digital space, click and collect is obviously a a, a big one, Uh, the the customer engagement side of things, just talking with with customers, but I think the most impactful thing is really um, retailers of all sizes are needing to go through a cost rationalization exercise and they're looking at the tools that they're using and how much they're spending on infrastructure. And a lot of us just been sitting in stores doing nothing for you know for months now, and that, and and they don't have access to their business information because they're not on the cloud, and and you know some some bigger retailers might be downsizing, so then, you know unfortunately they might need to be shutting down some stores, and so this is forcing this this big rationalization, um, and 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 I think it probably explains almost the irrational behavior that you're seeing on the stock market, right? It's like this, you know the, the stock market's going up, whereas everybody's really feeling it, and. And the way I explain that is like every business is now forced to, to look at their operational costs and trying to find, remove all of the unnecessary costs in their business. And they're actually finding that they're actually in their core, they've got a really highly profitable business um, and they've just been forced out of necessity to have to get really smart, replace all the, you know, the dumb processes in their business, get rid of the tools that aren't working for them, reduce the spend. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're trying to optimize for that is to keep the people because the people are the, the key part of their business like you know it doesn't matter uh, any scale you are at it's your people that really make your business something special um and so yeah even though i'm a technologist i've been in the technology industry for like three decades now um i'm more excited about the human endeavor of, of of how people are getting through this it's just like sitting down thinking about the problems and then coming up with really creative solutions
0: Got it. And so some of the solutions that I've heard of are like FaceTime shopping, right? Where if somebody can't go in the store, they walk around or zooming around town. Do you see those as being things that can now augment going forward? Or is that purely something in the pandemic or could it lead to something, you know, a kind of a spin on that? That's again, that forced creativity that you've alluded to a couple of times.
2: I think I think a lot of it's going to stick because um, uh, retailers have found these. These new experiences that they can give to their customers because not every customer shops the same. So, this is the thing about, um, the, you know, we've been talking about for a long time in, in, in digital retail and e commerce. And it's like, e, e- commerce is eating retail. And, and it's like, no, no, no. Like, uh, retail is changing, and the way consumers shop is changing. We've got mobile, you know, we've got online, um, we've got social media. Um, but it's not replacing retail; it's just adding more channels for retailers to engage and sell to their customers. Um, and actually, yeah, I, you know, I've spoken to a number of really innovative retailers who have done like uh, you know, FaceTime shopping, or have um, put product um, product tear downs on TikTok, and you know they've just kind of found every channel that they can find and seeing if it works. Um, and some of them have blown up, and they're like they've found these these experiences that. Um, they wouldn't have otherwise have tried because they were too busy with the business as usual it's like we're all we're all now in business as unusual so we've got to be creative um but yeah and then um so for like some of the higher end fashion retailers for example they do yeah they do uh they've now started to book private consults over facetime where you know trying to trying to uh augment that experience of like oh the customer can't come in and and poke at the products and try things on and 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 talk to people. It's it's still not as it's not as rich as doing it over FaceTime, but it's better than better than nothing. And actually, for some customers, they actually prefer that. And if they had been offering that service from the start, those customers would have would have used that service. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. Part part of me also kind of feels like we're all creatures of a habit as well. Once this is all over, we'll all be back to our <laughs> our same old habits. But I'm kind of hoping. We, we we stick with some of this innovation because it's, it's truly is really, really cool.
0: Got it. Very good. And it's interesting. You you know, you've both talked about how to make the experience better for the consumer. And like in the retail space, you can do that FaceTime shopping. But in Dave's space, in the restaurant space, you can't exactly do like, look at these tacos on <laughs> Facebook, right? It just doesn't, you know, the, it, it just can't mm, translate. Yeah, it,
2: tastes, it tastes amazing. <laughs> you should try this sometime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. He can't smell it or, or anything like that. So um, got it. Well, let's take a, a quick break right now and pause a moment to let our listeners and viewers know that an RSP membership has never been more valuable or affordable. The RSP has expanded its VAR and ISV member benefits to include discounts on health insurance, HR services, office supplies and shipping. Also, RSP members now have access to a legal advisor, security advisor and a VAR and ISV business advisor. That's all included in your annual RSP membership, which for resellers starts at just $250 a year. That's U.S. money. I'm not sure what that translates into uh, where you are, Vaughn. Uh, So that's $0.68 a day for these high-value services. Accelerate your success by joining the RSPA today. Also, thank you to our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our Platinum sponsors are Blue Star, Heartland, ScantSource, and Shift4 Payments. And to receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, Email membership at gorspa.org. And finally, in response to the COVID-19 crisis, the RSPA has launched the RSPA Solution Center, a new online platform designed to introduce VARs and ISVs to innovative solutions and connect them with the providers of these solutions. You'll find product details, videos, white papers, case studies, channel executive contact information, and more. To grow your channel business, Google RSPA Solution Center today. And uh, just like you were both alluding to, there's so many things that are going to be Online, I was talking with a reseller earlier today and they said, I don't know if people want to engage as much on their phone or through their screen. And I'm like, they don't have any choice right now. Right. Like in order to survive, like that's really where you have to start pushing, pushing customers. And Dave, let's go back to you. And uh, I'm curious what you see coming out of this and how quickly you expect the recovery to be and so you know I've had some folks talk about a, a retail or a restaurant spring, right? It'll slowly, you know, it got dark, but then things are gonna, you know, bloom and start to uh really come back, but that's over a period of time. Or some people have talked about a rebound where it bounces back pretty quickly. Any thoughts on how quickly you expect uh restaurant tours to recover and then I'll ask the same question, Yvonne.
1: I see it recovering now. I mean if you look across the country where restaurants have reopened even with limited capacity i mean they're pretty packed they're pretty busy you see lines getting in um i still think on the other hand you do have you know more cautious people that want to wait until there's a vaccine before they're you know sitting in a restaurant but i I think a lot of people are out and are just itching to get out and you know um be in a restaurant and go out to eat and kind of you know get back to normal you know, I mean, but it's but, you know, it's it's different, you know, I mean, these restaurants have to figure out, you know, how to properly, you know, space the tables, be safe. Are they going to put plexiglass, you know, between the tables? Um, my uh, both my boys work at a restaurant, a, a, a national chain, and uh, they were told when they come back, uh, their servers, they're going to have to change their gloves between every single table wear their mask, you know, for eight, you know, 12 hours, have the temperature taken, um, you know, um, you know, in a restaurant, and I come from the restaurant industry, you know, there is a saying in the restaurant industry that you, you can't ever be sick. You know, you always have to go to work. Um, not the case anymore. I mean, you know, you're sick, you're not going to be allowed in. And restaurants are going to have to be able to do more with less people. And I think that's where a lot of the you know, newer technologies that we're selling um, allows that.
0: Yeah, I had a teacher in high school, who used to say, don't call in sick, crawl in sick. And mm-hmm. during this crisis, I'm like, that is the opposite of, of what you wanna do. Dave, let me ask you this and put it this way. So r- the restaurant industry was at a standstill. Do you see it right now at a crawl, walk, jog, run, or sprint. Like where do you think it is right now? How do you see
1: it coming back? Well I think it depends where you're located. You know, what part of the country. And and I I I I think I wouldn't I, I think I'm more in the middle. It's not a crawl but it's not a sprint. I think it's more of like a quick walk um, okay, you know, and you know I mean we look at our own sales. And, you know, we've been busier, so if we're busier and it's improving each month, um, you know, since it started, that means our customers are busier. We're taking more phone calls to our, our help desk. So that means more restaurants, you know, are open, you know, and, and need support. So we're, we're seeing good signs.
0: Got it. Great. Okay, Vaughn, on the retail side. So I guess I, have, I don't have enough fingers to count on this for those who are watching on video. So there's standstill, crawl, walk, brisk walk, jog, run, sprint. So where would you see retail? And again, I'm sure it's across different sectors.
2: It's all of the above, all of the above. Um, and so, yeah, maybe I'll share a bit of data because uh, you know we've, we've got, we've, we're very privileged to have retailers all over the world. So we can see different markets as they go into lockdown and come out of lockdown and, and, and kind of what happens. Now, this, this is not, the caveat is this, this, this may not hold true for every market, but where we've seen markets that have, have gotten through the, the crisis and started to reopen the stores, there's almost like this pent up demand. We see a, 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 a spike because like, people have been stuck at home like they just, they just want to go out and 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 live a life and so we we in every market we've seen a, a, this little spike of uh higher than usual like higher than pre covid um and then it sort of normalizes it normalizes pretty close to where things were um so um and so that makes me feel very 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 optimistic now the the big caveat is it it also depends on how long we're in lockdown, right? Because in some markets where the, uh, you know, essentially commerce has been uh, halted for two months, three months, a lot of small businesses can can ride that through. But you know, the longer it goes, it just gets tougher and tougher. Especially with businesses who are cash flow businesses, it you know, it starts creating some some real problems. But um, but from a customer point of view, the customers are there waiting. They are just like they're sitting at home in the sweatpants. They're like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I want to go out i want to go see a movie i want to go get a meal i want to go buy some stuff um and so they're going to come back they're going to come back um and uh and and i guess the third caveat is um it also depends on your business like um some parts of retail will will struggle you know if if it's a high touch environment um it it, it, things might take a little bit longer um but yeah I, i think I think we should all feel very hopeful that a resemblance of normality will, will be will be back with us soon.
0: God, and let's stick with you, Yvonne because technology is going to get is going to play a key role in you know the comeback. And so, what let's what are I'm hearing specific technologies that are really helping that are more popular. So we've talked about some of them already: online ordering, e-commerce, email receipts, contactless payments is another one. That's what I'm hearing most frequently. Are you hearing the same thing? What else are you know, you know? Would you add to that list that you think our, our listeners and viewers should pay attention to?
2: Yeah, uh, some of it's like the, the the small detail, like contactless, like it it's, makes a huge difference and, and accelerates your ability to reopen your store. The, the the more touch points, the physical touch points that you remove, um, the the faster it is that you'll be able to return back to normal. Because um, consumers, customers are there's a lot of anxiety. Like we're, we're almost, there's almost this new rule book, social rule book of like how you interact with others. And everybody's like still not really sure. It's like, can I go into a store? Can I pick up things? Can I touch things? You know, how do I deal with the, the payments? Um, do, we, do you accept cash? So there's like this new social contract that needs to be written. And so everybody's just still trying to figure it out. So the more you can simplify that by offering contactless payments is one. Um, I, an, another one that I, I think a lot of people probably didn't see um, or pick is the need for contact tracing. So as some markets have opened, it's like you can open, you can let customers come into your restaurant or your store, but you do you need to keep tabs of who's coming in, because if there is an outbreak, we need to be able to let these folk know that perhaps they were um, in contact. Um, and But retailers can leverage that because this is actually a, a, a best practice for retailers to know who their customers are. It's like... Um, and now they've got a great excuse. As long as they don't uh, you know, as long as they don't abuse it, like you know, asking for customer contact details so that they can spam them. But it's it's it also says that they care about their customers. It's like, hey, we just want to get your details. Not saying that anything's, you know, but just in case there's 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 anything we need to let you know, it's for your safety, so we can keep in touch and and, and just let you know. Um so stuff like that, um, customer facing displays so that um uh, for for information so you know just trying to remove all those 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 touch points between the the store members the staff and, and the customers um, and they, they they may not sound they're not earth-shattering technology advances like we're not talking about um, having augmented reality experiences in the stores and things like that it, it's just the stuff that they're doing now but just doing it slightly a little bit smarter and they'll also find that these these things streamline their businesses Contactless lists, makes payment paying faster so ultimately it's 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 a best it's a better experience for their customers so um so yeah uh uh so retail will look slightly different like there'll be a few more plexiglass screens around the place for a little bit but otherwise um i think i think we're going to go back to um what i call like the golden age of retail like it's kind of like a reboot um, mm-hmm. Retailers are having to re- rethink how they're engaging with their customers. And the the secret to success in retail is the customer experience. Like if you're a commodity seller, like if you're just selling convenience stuff, then, then sure, Amazon and others are, are disrupting that part of retail. But the retailers who who thrive are the ones who focus on doing something different and unique and focusing on that customer experience. And that's what this is all about. This These, these crises make it all about the customer. Um, so we just need to be, you know, absolutely 150% customer focused.
0: And just, if I can just share a quick story, you mentioned anxiety. So the most that we could do, uh, I'm married. I have a daughter who uh, is 14. And so we'd like hop in my truck and drive around. We decided to go in a convenience store and get some chips and drinks. And of course we were wiping them down. Well, as I was giving cash and getting the change back, the, uh, cashier touched my hand. I remember thinking, like, oh, my gosh, he touched my hand. Like, did I clean it enough? Like, I'm thinking I was so totally overreacting. But I got to be honest with you, I thought about it for days afterwards because I was thinking, man, that guy's a stranger. He's talking with a lot of people. So huge, huge anxiety there. Um, But can I ask you specifically from a technology standpoint, how will they do the contact tracing? Like, is that just from a loyalty standpoint? Is it just give me the data as you check out, or is it higher tech than that, how how should we picture that content tracing will happen?
2: Yeah, we've we've seen a a, a a flurry of contact tracing apps that have popped up where retailers can like print a QR code and stick it in the store, and so the customer can either through through the web browser on their phone, they just scan the the QR code and put their name in, and so they're self-checking. And those 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 are the safest ones because it, you, the customer is not having to touch anything or you know write anything on a piece of paper. You know, any contact is is bad. Um, um, But but retailers will also have a loyalty program, so they don't even if 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 they don't want to have to do an app or anything like that or introduce something new, th- their loyalty program will do will do it effectively as well. They just need to ask for customer customer details, just need to explain why they're asking for the details. But um, um so yeah, uh, again, technology can provide a great solution, but there's always a fallback, which is like the human glue of, uh, of like how you would solve these problems. Um, but yeah, on the on the on the on the uh contact tracing app side of things, um, you know, you could fire up a little website, you know. Uh it's a great touch point. It's a great touch point to get customers engaged with your brand. So you could build like a little micro site, a little website. Um you've probably through this had to stand up a e-commerce presence so you can sell online. Um that's a great way to it's a great platform for you to direct your customers to do the self check-in style contact tracing as well.
0: Got it. Thank you for those details. Uh, Dave, uh technologies in the restaurant space? Um, what do you see emerging? What uh, should resellers, what should everybody on their industry pay attention to? What's going to be implemented more?
1: Well, you know, the the conversation or dialogue has changed a little bit from, you know, from March to April to May to June. You know, it, it started in March, uh, the end of March when we went into, you know, lockdown that um, every customer we have had to have online ordering. And, you know, we scrambled, you know, major changes to our business to implement something like that because it's it's not easy. You know, it's a lot of work to get a, a restaurant's menu online with all of the modifiers and so forth. But, but you know, the alternative methods of ordering to traditional um, do increase check average, reduce labor, labor, improve efficiency, so all we talked about was online ordering. Um, From there, you know, it went to um, contactless payments, um, which is big, Um, you know, people want to pay in a safe way, you know, and uh, uh, luckily, you know, our vendors had options for that. We brought in some third parties as well. Um, And and I'm maybe like you with the convenience store, I'm eating out maybe once a week and I'm really conscious of how I'm paying, and and or I should say how they're accepting um, my payment. I haven't really paid with cash. I've been using you know credit cards or debit cards mostly everywhere. But there's some restaurants where they they brought an EMV reader to me. I inserted the card or I swiped. And then there's places I went to where they take my credit card and they're touching everything and they're swiping it and handing it back to me and. I just didn't feel good about going back to those places. Um, You know, I I have a customer in Center City, Philadelphia, that told me she has to have contactless payments because she feels she has an advantage over other competitors that do not offer it because people want to feel safe. Um, From there, the conversation moved to contactless ordering. And that really got interesting because, you know, we could do contactless ordering, from online, but we never really thought about doing it from inside the restaurant. So uh, now our our vendors have come through with products um, and third parties that allow you to take your smartphone, um, uh, scan a QR code on a table that brings up the table number and um, the menu comes up, you you order on your phone, Prints in the kitchen or displays on the kitchen video system. Um, a runner brings out the food. There's minimal contact, and I pay my check um, on the phone. So we we've um, sold a lot of um, you know products uh, for contactless payment. It's been very very popular, and now as Pennsylvania and New Jersey are moving towards um, outdoor dining, uh, the the two main talking points are. Um, table management, and table-side ordering. Was, uh, so we've got a lot of requests uh, for tablets, so I can walk right up to a table and take an order, because you know if I'm in a parking lot taking an order, and also we've been uh, doing a lot of Wi-Fi um, installations, so customers now can um, extend their Wi-Fi to areas where they never thought they would you know need Wi-Fi. So, um, we're taking orders uh, or we will be in a in a week taking orders um, on decks, on patios, uh, table side. Um, but the table management thing was really um, interesting because we we kind of got out of that um, maybe a year or two ago because um, it was really hard to compete with the open tables and you know those type of products for a one off restaurant, you know. And now uh, some states have required. Um, that you have to have a reservations package when you reopen. So, you know, uh, think about it now, you know that um, dinner out on a date or uh, with your wife, and you're gonna have appetizers and a nice bottle of wine and entrees and desserts and take your time. um, I think those days are gone for a while. You know, you're, you're booking a table through your table management, reservation software that's from, you know, eight. 30 to 9 45 and the next table is going to come in um that table that you normally don't sell that on monday afternoon from you know two o'clock three o'clock four o'clock that's going to be a high um commodity now to um you know sell those tables because if you're only seating at you know 50 you know capacity or less um or if you don't have a deck or or a parking lot um you know, it's, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you got to sell those tables. Um, I, and I'll, I'll tell you about two interesting calls I received this week. So one was from a, a customer that wants to do, this was actually today, um, outdoor dining in a parking lot. They're maybe they're not able to do tents. They're just able to do like picnic tables with umbrellas. And it says, what if they're eating, they're spending a lot of money, it starts to rain. Are they going to request refunds? You know, so the, the restaurant stores are like, trying to-
0: They're a baseball team now, I have to have a rain out policy, right, at your restaurant.
1: Right, I mean, uh, you know, like think about that, you know, you finally are able to go out to eat, you know, and uh, you're paying a lot of money to, and you've got this premium table, and now it starts to rain. So, uh, you know, those are concerns. We had had another site, Uh, this is one that, um, it was a deal I, I was in for a new restaurant, but when he had heard that he could only do takeout initially, and he's down at the jersey shore very busy area um there's no parking so how can you even offer takeout if you don't have anywhere for customers to park um you know so there's a lot of um you know concerns but i think we have a product line now i mean we really adjusted um you know uh being able to offer online ordering contactless ordering contactless payments table side you know our, our business has really shifted, you know, where we had a a good mix of new restaurants and add-ons and upgrades was our, you know, typical month. Um, it's completely changed now to these products, and I'm, you know, I'm glad uh, we we're able to um, pick them up and had and yeah. some as well.
0: And I can say this is what we've seen anecdotally talking with RSPA reseller members that yeah. they didn't sit still during the pandemic or just like, you know, curl up into a ball and see how they could survive through it. We even did a a study to get new 2020 projections for our point-of-sale channel KPI study, and more than 50% uh, added on at least one new product or one new vendor, kind of like you uh, were talking about. And then uh, 40% of them actually created a new product on their own bundling it together it might have been more of the uh, isv set like you von but uh, we saw a lot of innovation going on during this in a short period of time so i only have a couple questions left and know we're running short on time let me do like a lightning round if you can almost answer in bullets uh, with this so you know we've talked about kind of the whole landscape what should uh von we'll start with you first what should retail vars do like what action should they take now to position their business appropriately and take care of their merchants to the new normal. Like, sit still is not the option. What are one, two, three things you think they should do? What actions should they take?
2: Yeah, you touched on it, which is you know, bundling, coming up with new innovative products that have always been there, but um, but now have become uh, more important than ever for 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 your customers. So this is a great opportunity to re- uh, rationalize what they're doing around payments, whether the contactless makes sense for them, um, whether they have an e-commerce channels, like how they're selling through digital means. Um, and then the third part is, you know, how are they engaging with their customers? Because like, this is a dip, we're, we're all gonna follow the same pattern. Um, and so wh- while you're in the dip, the, the important thing is to be continue to trade, keep selling to customers as as, as, quick, as much as you can. But then when you're coming out of the dip, then it becomes really important to re-engage with customers and, and, let, and let them know that you're open for business and that they can come back into your store and what that new social contract <laughs> is, is for you. Um, so yeah, there's three things, payments, E-commerce, um, and then customer loyalty engagement.
0: Got it. Thank you, uh, Dave. Uh, what's your answer? What should restaurant Vars do? What are you doing? You're a restaurant bar yourself.
1: Well, our strategy since this started has been to, you know, be there for our customers, talk to them every day, help them get through it, um, let them know, let them know that we're at full strength, you know, from a support standpoint, you know, we can support them. Uh, you know, open to close and and make, you know, technology, you know, recommendations to them, which are, you know, specific, you know, to that business. Um, We've updated all of our needs assessment forms, you know, when we used to talk to a customer, you know, would be, you know, how many math mistakes per day, how many, you know, uh, handwriting mistakes, you know, things like that. Now, it's, Questions: Are you set up to handle takeout and delivery orders? Do you, can you maintain your customer history? Are you linked to caller ID to shorten the amount of time on that call? Can you securely store, you know, a credit card, um, you know, uh, on on file rather than have to, you know, verbally, you know, take that credit card data every time someone calls? Um, would implementing online ordering um, you know, help, I and mean, we've had customers that have seen a 20% increase with online ordering. Um, do they have a good or a, a great social media presence? Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of times people think when you're ordering remotely, they're going to the customer's website and ordering, but, you know, customers are putting their online ordering links on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and they're getting more orders, um, you know, uh, you know, from there. And and then, you know, the, the final one with the contactless ordering and payment is, Uh, You know, the complaint from a lot of restaurateurs is that their staff um, – many are not coming back because, you know, they're making more money on unemployment. Um, I mean, we think that'll end soon with that extra, you know, $600 that everyone's getting, but you know, some of them have health concerns and they're not ready to come back. Um, So can you put in um, a tablet on a table? do with scan that QR code in order from my phone to accommodate for labor reductions. Um, so th- those are the kind of things that we're, talk- we're talking about with customers. I mean, who knows, the new the new system that we sell might be one terminal and, you know, uh, link to a kitchen printer and hundreds of people with smartphones in a restaurant, you know, placing their orders that might be kind of where things yeah. are at, you know, yeah. but I think it'll be a mix, you know, things will come okay. back.
0: My last two questions for you are non-technical related. And so the first is for both of you, how are you guys holding up through this? It seems like you're holding up well. You both seem to be having a positive approach to this. I actually talked to a reseller today. I said, how you doing? And they actually said, crappy, like, you know, with all the things that are going on. And they've been in the business for a long, long time. And you're both veterans of these verticals. And overnight, like, they went from humming to whoop, a complete standstill. So I guess, Dave, how are you holding up? And then Vaughn.
1: I'm pretty good. I mean, you know, it's it's been a challenge because you know your your business kind of turns upside down, you know, and you don't know what to expect. But we adapted pretty quickly. Uh, we're really busy, which is good. I'm uh, so proud of our team um, because um, we just threw a lot at them quickly, and they really did a you know a great job um, talking uh, you know talking to customers and helping them. I, I would say like probably. The biggest challenge is is talking to customers that I've known, that I've had, places that I've, you know, written 20 years ago that are struggling to stay open. Um, I hear customers go out of business and um, that that's been the most difficult part for me. But overall, I'm pretty good. Yeah.
2: And Vaughn, how are you holding up? Yeah, uh, I think. And. Um... It's been tough. Like honestly, like and frankly, the, the, these things are, are, are tough for everyone. And as an entrepreneur, you know, we had to very quickly. We've got a few hundred staff and offices all around the world, you know, we had to m- mobilize everybody so that, that they were working from home. Um, and uh, but as a digital-first company, I, w- I wouldn't call it trivial, but it, it, it definitely changed things. Like it changed the the personal dynamic that we have with our team. In some ways, good. Like you know, it, we 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 no strangers to to doing video meetings these days. You know, I'd probably do six or seven or eight eight a day. Um and, and that's kind of fun because like you can kind of beam in. Like I'm literally here in Raglan in New Zealand beaming into this this catch up with, with you folk. Um, um but on a personal level, for a start this is not my first rodeo. You know, the GFC, you know, the, the it's always a cycle. These things always happen. Um and you always get through them. So even though it's hard times the other thing that's that kind of uh, is, I, I guess, a little bit exciting about these things is, the, is that it, how everybody rallies together. Like, this is energy. Everybody's kind of in the boat together. We're, we're all going to solve this problem together. Um, but what I have noticed, and this is, you know, a, a little bit of a, a, a caution is that at some point the adrenaline runs off. And, and you know and then things just feel a lot harder um, you get through that initial burst of like yeah we're just gonna do whatever we can long days you know I can't remember you know how many 18 20 hour days I was doing um, but it's non sustainable so you just got to look after yourself and then, and I guess I'm very fortunate because my choice of, of location for lockdown is you know somewhere like here in, in, in New Zealand um, and being surrounded by good people um, and um, Stepping aside from work for a second, it's like I've, I've found that it, it, it's the personal reconnections. Like because we're we're craving that human connection again. Like I've gotten, I've found friends that I haven't spoken to for years reach out, um, and it's it's kind of neat to to, to reconnect with people. But um, uh, yeah, it's tough. Um, I think the the other thing we've all got to be careful of is like <laughs> I think I've probably put on quite a few pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to be a bit more active again, uh, and and burn off some of these pounds
0: yeah I was gonna it's like you know, the freshman fifteen that they always used to call out right when you go to school you know in college you become uh you know more sedentary there's kind of the the quarantine you know quarter pounder uh that too many people uh ate too many of those and uh and they're yeah. finding themselves in that spot so well gentlemen, thank you, Francis. My last question for you, and we love to ask our guests this um you've given a lot of good advice so far. can you recommend for audience like a book to read, an online resource to follow? or a podcast to listen to that'll help them improve their organization. Now, I do have to tell both of you, Vaughn, you cannot say you need to watch Finding Your Inner Weirdo, right, your TED Talk, okay? <laughs> and Dave, you cannot say Invincible, the story of legendary Philadelphia Eagle, Vince Papali, even though it's a great movie, you and I both got to meet Vince in person, have our picture uh, taken with them. So, Vaughn, let's start with you first. What resource would you recommend to the VARs and ISVs listening to this that would help them improve them as a leader uh, and improve their organization?
2: yeah um uh so something that i've re- rediscovered going with, with with this new lockdown life is um podcasts and so every day i try and go out for you know a, a 30 minute to an hour walk or run and and so I'm, i've been constantly looking for new podcasts and so the one my go-to one that, I've, that uh, i wouldn't have picked is um finding mastery and it's dr michael Gervais, and he's a um he, he's right i think he's originally a sports psychologist, but he brings such interesting people from all walks of life who are who have kind of mastered their things so there might be a particular sport or it might be in business or it might be in in the arts um and and he just asks really interesting questions and it's so enlightening to 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 see how other people have solved problems or got through. Um, you know, gnarly situations. And I find it really, really, really inspiring. So um, it's on all the, you know, all the regular podcast channels, Finding Mastery.
0: Finding Mastery. All right. Thanks for the recommendation. Uh, Dave, how about for you? A book, a podcast, a website, a resource that you'd recommend to our listeners and viewers?
1: Uh, Jim, I went old school and I went back to my Jeff Gittimer roots. Um, I've been a uh, Jeff Gittimer disciple for probably 20 years and you know i I thought that you know sometimes you lose yourself a little bit and you got to go back to the basics so um i went back to the uh little red book of sales answers and you know something i yeah i think i read it 20 years ago but you know the principles are still really important you know goal setting time management prioritizing my tasks um finding a good mentor um, and and I think I'm, I'm probably busier now than I've been in a long time, different type of busy, but you know, busy. And, you know, the the thing about with Gittimer was always, you know, you got to have these basics surround yourself with, you know, positive people. And, you know, if sales are slow, then you just got to double the number of prospects you're calling off, you know? And, um, and, um, I, I, I've read all his books, um, highly recommend He also has a, uh, a great podcast and um is on Facebook Live and uh all the different social media outlets.
0: And he is not shy, right? His advice is uh, not maybe you'll want to do this. He's grabbing you by the lapels and shaking yeah, you.
1: Uh, yeah. and he's, you a, to he's a jersey guy too.
0: <laughs> Got it. Okay. Well, perfect. Home field advantage. So, well, gentlemen, thank you very much. And to our listeners and viewers, we hope you enjoyed our discussion today. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And we'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy, the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the point of sale channel, check out the RSP blog. You can find it at go and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, thanks again very much to Dave and for Vaughn for sharing their wisdom with us today from uh, opposite ends of our planet. And thanks also to RSPA Marcom Manager Chris Honor for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point-of-sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody.